0: You're listening to episode 27 of the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir al from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we have an episode uh, regarding uh, a specific topic, which is the relationship between the own brand labeler or private labeler or virtual manufacturer and the OEM, which is the original equipment manufacturer. This is a model that is existing uh, since a long time and uh, with the new medical device regulation and in vitro diagnostic regulation, we can maybe have some changes. So I received a lot of questions regarding that and uh, I decided to invite a, a person, somebody that can help us uh, to understand this model and also provide us some solutions. So what should we do if we are a private labeler or if we are an original equipment manufacturer to continue business and to uh, to do that? So, for that, I have Stefan Boleininger from B on Quality, and uh, he will uh, really be our expert today to explain as this model. So, welcome, Stefan, to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast.
1: Hello, Monia. Thanks to be here.
0: So, great. Very so, good. Stefan, so can you introduce yourself for the, for the audience?
1: Sure. Um, hello, I'm Stefan Boleininger. I'm a consultant and owner of the Beyond Quality company, a medical device consulting company like you others well. So great. And where are you located? Uh, we are located in in Nuremberg next to Erlangen in Bavaria in Germany. Great. And our focus is medical devices with active ingredients, or also everything with electricity or
0: software. Oh, great. So uh, so we'll have uh, we'll have you explaining us this model, which is the OEM and OBL or PLM model. So uh, let's start the directly uh, with the, the first question. So what is exactly uh, the OEM and OBL model? <laughs> okay, um, that is a very good question because if, um, in the past we had also, we have
1: an, a PLM, an OEM, an OBL, we have every kind of different names and definitions which makes completely always in the same direction. I need someone as an OEM, as a as an PLM or an OBL, I need someone who does everything for me and who I can claim he is, it's all his fault. Okay. That was that was the operation as a principle of the OEM PLM procedure. So OK, and now, since everything is more modern, we have a new word. that's a virtual manufacturer. Yeah, true. It's well, nearly the same, but it sounds more polite, more sophisticated. It okay. has a bit of different changes which are maybe quite good if you have specific devices to be sold and if you live in
0: the U.K. Yeah, exactly. Because I think this word virtual manufacturer was introduced by the MHRA. I saw that the first time in a guidance from the MHRA and everybody was asking themselves, okay, now we should not call that anymore OBL or PLM, but maybe virtual manufacturer, which sounds better, if I can say.
1: (laughs) Uh, Definitely, definitely is better. And well, it's, for most manufacturers and most companies it is exactly still the same however new naming and industry 4.0 makes it more fluent more sophisticated and now we have virtual manufacturers earlier we had an oem but at the end of the day we need to deliver safe medical devices that's our business that's the job so no matter how we call it we need a device and in the past it was quite easy because we had well I'm from Germany. In Germany, we have specific, yeah, specific cities, towns, and uh, um, ecosystem around that. Companies who have are very good in selling devices to another one, to another one, to another one, and rebrand it every time. That was, uh, well, I think it is. I think the first place of OEMs are in Germany. Okay. I'm not sure if that's definitely the right answer, but that I think so because there is a specific region which have it quite used and very often introduced. However, well, it has their, it has opportunities and it has their own weaknesses. And unfortunately, now with NDR, the weakness of the OEM PLM or OEM OBL procedure increased. Okay.
0: Yeah. Because it's, we all rely on safety. So, so, so the idea is mainly that uh, as you mentioned, so the OEM is the one manufacturing the product, uh, putting all the efforts in terms of the design, in terms of the manufacturing, in terms of the cleanliness, et cetera, packaging and everything. And at the end, they are selling these products to uh, OBL or virtual manufacturer or PLM, who has just to put his name on it, if I can say. And just to say, this product is my product and I sell it on the market. So we have in one side the manufacturing and in the other side, the marketing, if I can say, which is the current model that is existing now.
1: Yes, that's a model under the MDD. And it's a, it's a, it's a renewable and a good model. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you focus on the things you can, if you focus for selling, if you focus on manufacturing, you're good at it. Yeah. So and instead, the model has its value. It has its yeah has a good intentional charm on it which is yeah might be very good however, it also has a few weaknesses because if you share the responsibility of the complete system of a complete medical device between the OEM and the OBL, then well you need to share the responsibility and make sure make sure that the chain will not break up yeah and that is quite hard for both sides because if you are if you're the OBL side, which is yeah, a very interesting side because you deal with a customer, you deal with specific people who want to use your product or need to use your product, and you need to deal with a notified body with a product that's not, it that is technically yours but not really, and you rely on someone else, so you need a very good trust, True. and that trust is well um. Uh, so it's mostly from the American standpoint, in God we trust. All others bring documents. So I bring the documents and look on it and that's it. So that is past. That's the current model with the MDD that we trust in our OEM and our good relationship. That's okay because the OBL has a focus, the customer. He needs to ensure that the customer gets his best possible points, and he is ensuring the regulatory landscape from that side for registration or notification with the notified body, with the information dealing with competent authorities, dealing with complaints, and then deal it back to the OEM, yeah, like a um, a very highly sophisticated manufacturer or a supplier, and that chain is for the OBL and the P- called PLM, that doesn't matter, and for this one, it is a crucial step, and with that, now with the MDR, or also the IVDR, the OBL, who will be inspected by by his own notified body, this one needs to have access and
0: control, and the full control over the technical file. This is the what, this is what is written now on the MDR. It's it's black and yeah. white, if I can say, on the MDRs or the IVDR, saying they should have full control of the uh, technical file. This is that.
1: Yes, that is correct. You find it in the Article Ten. You will find it in the. Huh? I think it was Article ten point four, where it stated in a little little sentence below the yeah, um the manufacturer has the obligation to provide a full technical file to the notified body and the competent authorities where the notified body or the competent authority can check compliance. If you yeah, if you need that. You will need to bring a document which includes a full technical file with everything included to make sure that you are in compliance. And then comes a nice point: it's compliance against the NX2 and the on NX3. So the first thing as a OBL or PLM, I need to look into my eyes, look into the document, and say, "Well, we need to make sure that we have everything to state compliance because we, we the PLM, we are responsible, and that means I, as a PLM, need to make sure that I log into the general safety and performance requirements and make sure that I can address them adequately.
0: And then, yeah, there comes a the discussion about adequately and control. Exactly. The, 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 the big, I mean, the question I always reserve is, uh, okay, what does mean exactly full control? What does mean exactly... I mean, there is a lot of interpretation on this sentence. Does it mean, yeah, I the, the design is my product, the, the the product is completely mine? I, I mean, there is a lot of, of, uh, of interpretation and I think maybe the intention was not really that. So there is more like... As you said, we try more to be, to to provide a a secure product for the patients. And for that, we need you to take responsibility and maybe full control doesn't mean really full control. This is that.
1: Yes, Um, if you drive a car, I, 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 I try to explain it in a, well, in a very open phrase. If you drive a car, you're in full control of the speed. Okay. No, you're not. Your gasp, your, um, your paddle, and also your um, your engine cells are in full control of your speed. You're not. You think you are in control, and that's the notified body pushes on the on the paddle, and the notified body says, "Okay, I will have someone because I can't have full control, but I can try to steer and, and work with it. So I need someone who has full control. I need the one with the engine." And the engine is the manufacturer, and the manufacturer needs control to ensure, even if he, the, the engine of the of the car does not know on which street it drives, or what's the um, as, as the roughness and the and the um material the ground which we drive over, because that's a part of the of the wheel. Um, but the manufacturer or the engine needs to ensure that he has the control to steer. The wheel in a perfect way, and demands from the notified bodies pushed towards through the wheel and through the street. So, for that means, I need as a manufacturer need to ensure that I have the possibility in a technical way, in a qualified qualified way, and also in the organizational way to get everything towards my notified body to see to get everything confidence that i know what i will do exactly it's control it is access and validity it's nothing more and well if you deal with the notified bodies in a few ways you get well different answers okay yeah but in most cases with most notified bodies i have spoken they told me hey you all work in an overall system with different manufacturing sites for one product so why should we have a more sophisticated approach for a small company, OBL, instead of a multi-site global company and say, okay, when I audit your technical file, you can prepare it forward to, to me when you have to send it in, that's one point. Or when I inspect it, I accept, said you need to prepare the file I want to see in your data, data container, in your document control system or whatever. So if it takes four hours to get all the documentation, that is the way so most notified bodies accept if you say okay yes i can prepare everything for you what you need to state conformity and compliance to the mdr if you bring it within four hours so four hours first initiate it, it, that's my first incentive four hours is a waste of time you can you need to cooperate with your oem okay because the respondent needs
0: to be done within four hours. Great. Um, so for this episode, um, I wanted to focus more on the OEM or PLM or virtual manufacturer side. And um, we will record so uh, another episode for next week uh, regarding the PLM because I, I don't want to overwhelm everybody with a, a two hours episode, if I can say. Uh, so, uh, so let's focus now on the PLM. So. What, as, as the PLM will be the one that is um, talking to the auditor and um, going in front of the auditor during, uh, during uh, the certification, so uh, what are the regulators looking for exactly in terms of documentation? Is there a kind of uh, uh, something, uh, a secret source or recipe that we can provide to the, to the people? <laughs> well, um,
1: yes, it's a human sense. But that depends on which human you ask. So, no, um, you have two real needs. So organizational need, so one, and the second one is the technical need, how to get the documentation, and the third one is the amount of information which you need to be transferred. So what I do is, okay, when I work for a PLM or the OBL, I go to my documentation, what I have for my product. So what do I have as an OBL, o, uh, OBL or as a PLM, I simply have, well, a, device, a description of my device, what it shall do, my purchasing specification towards my OEM, my information about the intended use, the uh, complete intended purpose of a device, yeah, a bit of validation because I need to make sure that I sell the right products. And that's, that's in many cases, unfortunately, that's all. And then I have one very, very strong document and that's a quality agreement with my OEM. Okay. Because in this one, that's the first piece of my secret sauce. In that one, I will challenge everything for, okay, what is the, how can we handle changes in the product? How does the, um, how does the OEM transfer it to the PLM? Nothing new. Then who handles responsibilities for PAF, post market surveillance? Who handles for me as an since I as an OBL need to have an UDI or a registration? Who handles that? In which way? What is my kind of UDI I want on my products? Because I need to sign the declaration of conformity at the end of the day. I need to ensure that I have the information. What is my UDI? DI? My basic UDI? DI? That's my knowledge, my information I need to do. And also field safety corrective action. And then one thing which is also introduced since 2013. Yeah. you as a OEM as a supplier. The supplier needs to be audited if it's a critical one by the notified body. And that is that's one thing which we always can rely on in our complete business. And that's the confidentiality and the, professionalism of the professionality of a notified body. That is a thing we need to rely on, we can rely on. Because if my notified body goes to my OEM and inspects them, well, maybe I get a few, well, not very polite letters from my OEM. Okay. That the notified body is going to them. However, the notified body goes to them Inspects the technical files and the documentation if needed, and provides a statement about compliance. And that statement of compliance ensures the OEM's business. So but it's not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, but when you describe me all that, it looks really similar to a relationship between a manufacturer, a normal manufacturer and its supplier, because you still have your technical file uh, with the information. You still have your quality agreement to define who is responsible for what, and you yeah. don't know also all the secret source of the supplier. You know, for example, we have to do um, uh, maybe some cleaning or maybe some passivation or something, but you don't know specifically how they do that. They just do it as as we require to them to do it. So this looks similar. Is it or is there really a, a difference in this?
1: Currently, it is still similar, but then comes the second part. The second part is what I expect from my supplier, from my OEM, and what kind of documentation I need to look at it. So, since change control is also part of the standard OEM, and it's no big deal, so I need, I have an customer specification, whatever kind of functional specification, which I give to my OEM, and I want a feedback on it, is a statement of true compliance where you say, okay, these are my documents I'm using, and these are the documents I get from my OEM, and I normally I accept it in kind of a, call, of a stat file, because okay. with the stat files, the OEM is safe enough that this does not give me every information. Mm-hmm. I have control about the document and the version of your document. And with that, I can make a basic compliance check against documentation. Okay. It's not sufficient to have everything included for the secret source of the OEM. I don't yeah. get on that directly. However, I get in on it on in the point of what is the most feasible I- items and information i can get from my supplier to ensure that my compliance check against the nx2 and the nx3 is sufficient that i can do that i and that is for me i always demand on a stat file from the supplier because it's no rocket science and it's frequent. good so then comes one additional point clinical evaluation yeah i always demand on the full clinical clinical evaluation however clinical evaluation is public, available information. That's nothing which is IP-protected from the so, from the OEM, those they can deliver. I demand on the risk management file, at least, the risk analysis part. Not all of the mitigation parts, that's not all needed, except those which are in the labelings, because then I can trace them through the stat file from risk to labeling, and I need this kind of information as well. So, yeah, it's not... It is not perfect. Yeah. The way to get comp- as a PLM, it is a way to get compliance and justify my GSPRs to say, okay, I did everything I need to do. And I have for everything, everything which is needed by taking the file assessment from my notified body and everything which I have as a demand from the body of committed authority, I have a correct answer. If we need to dig more into the answer, then we need to go to the OEM.
0: So this is this is the point now. Uh, So let's say now you prepare your documentation, you have everything that you think is fine. Talk, talk, talk. The auditors are coming. (laughs) They are coming to certify you. So uh, you are in the front room, you are showing them the documentation. And at one point they say, oh, but there is something I want to dig more in. It's not on the technical file. Uh, can you show me uh, some a specific document? But the PLM or, OE or OBL don't have that, that document. It's with the OEM. So yeah. what would you um, advise the the people to do, if I can say?
1: Yeah, that's also part which I have in my within the quality contract or quality assurance agreement. Okay. To have if my notified body is yes, it's in, in my most reason most yeah. In most situations, it does not come out of nowhere. It came with a reason or with a plan. So we know about it. And I can inform my OEM suppliers Said, they will come in. So what I'm doing, I set up a basic information between the front room and the OEM, a communication protocol like well, you can use whatever you want, open meetings, you can use Zoom, or okay. you can also use Skype for business. Okay. To, make, to make it possible for the notified body, the auditor to go directly in the documentation. So, and by that case, what I am doing in that we said, I give the OEM the control to show the auditor everything the auditor needs to see by screen sharing. And during that, um, as the protocol starts in the following way, the auditor comes, auditor is in the is in the office, looks at it, he wants to take into a specific kind of algorithm which is privileged information. A says clearly, okay, yeah, you're not allowed to stroke out and black out every kind of formula or algorithm, but if you have some algorithms which are very privileged for you, you can stroke them out prior to sending the documentation to the PLM. That's the same way I have. I'm with the stat file, I have a few of the information, but not all. the auditor needs to go more into the details he tells me i need to see this okay then i make a call with my oem set up the um the protocol that they can uh, share the screen so um and then i as a plm go out of the room okay and leave the auditor and the oem alone so that the auditor can justify According to the documentation with the OEM that everything is included. So, and down here becomes one big catch. This catch is you need to make sure that your OEM will not tell the auditor about other documentation than that is in your stat file. If so, if, if he tells you about a document which is not in the stat file or has a new, newer version than your stat file.
0: Yeah the auditor will get really pissed, because that means you don't have control. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a kind of a basic training of audit management, if I can say. Just answer the question. Answer yes or no, if possible. If you ask more, answer the question, but don't answer a, a question he never asked. Or don't, don't, don't give him more information than what he requires. So it's, as I said, basic, really basic uh, audit, audit management. Right. So
1: what does that mean for the OEM side? It means that the OEM needs to know what is the latest stat file you got. Okay. To get only the documents you are reflecting. So if they can reflect and say, okay, so with the stat file, the auditor has the evidence that what is happening with the file on the OEM side, the auditor can inspect the evidences that they are control available and that will with the notified bodies I have spoken to and the auditors, is that will work out. They say, hey, we need to make sure that every business has its opportunities and it has a possibility. And if we get a safe medical device by sharing this, it's okay. That's no big thing. We need to make sure that we get evidence and safety in the devices. If we get it by that way, it's okay. And also, then with the stat file, the Amazon version numbering is specifically in, integrated of each file. If the OEM tells me that is the correct file, then I'm pretty safe in a way.
0: Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, so the, the record management is also important. The archiving is also important. So uh, if your OEM is not uh, kind of um, well-trained or is not uh, kind of uh, educated in terms of Doc recording, uh, versioning, etc. It can be also uh, a problem. So the selection of the OEM and the selection of a, 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 a professional uh, manufacturer is also key to avoid future issues. Because if you start to build your audience, uh, start to build your customers, start to build your marketing thing, and at the end you cannot sell just because the OEM is not really a professional manufacturer, it can be also a, a big problem.
1: Yeah if you want to build a house you need to make concrete okay. and if it's on your manufacturer on your manufacturer supplier or oem side if that's not sufficient if it's not pro, not professional not trained or not qualified sufficiently then this will not work and
0: and, uh, keep and- going. And mainly, uh, uh, the auditors do have another secret weapon, if I can say. They can go to audit the uh, OEM directly, and it's something that you have also to include in your quality agreement to authorize that. Because if they refuse, you can lose your certification, if I can say.
1: Yeah, if it's a, um, a OEM, is always a critical supplier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that way, yes. But that's also since two thousand thirteen. It is uh, was that way, I suppose. Don't, don't nail me on that, but I think it was 2013 yeah. when that was introduced in Europe, said a critical supplier can be audited and you need to change your QA for that. Yeah, but for as an, OE, as an OBL or PLM, I need to f- focus on the way that everything from the, from my side, from my view, will be in order to make sure I have sufficient controls about the documentation of the, of the technical file I can do that with my informations I have with the stat file. Make my own compliance check to fill my own GSPRs to have my own UDI introduced to have my product labeling introduced completely. That is the thing what I can do. And with the OEM, the OEM who maybe does the rest of the device creation, also design um, and de- design and development or the manufacturing design transfer everything. I need to have the end product more completely under control and also the media. The end control, I can see, I can check it, and that's also a thing that I, as an PLM, always do. I have a set of criteria for about the packaging. So if I don't have control about the inside of the manufacturing side, I can control what happens within my warehousing, my stock. When the products came to me, I can make a batch record and check product audits look into it. That's also a thing which uh, which increases the confidence that you're knowing what you do.
0: One additional thing that uh, the MDR or IVDR is asking uh, for any manufacturer is to have a PRRC, uh, Person Responsible for Regulatory Compliance. This is maybe something also new that will come to this um, OEM, OBL uh, model. Because I suppose uh, the OEM had more like the manufacturing part, but maybe some quality parts. And the OBL had more the marketing part, but maybe less quality or less uh, regulation stuff. Uh, so this is maybe something also that can be uh, increasing uh, transparency and increasing confidence to the, the OBL model. So
1: Yes. Um, unfortunately, the OBL or PLM needs to have one... Person responsible for regulatory compliance to fulfil and check all the duties of a legal manufacturers. The complete article ten. Yeah, he needs to ensure that the complete article ten is introduced and also the technical file is completely checked. So that means, as a person responsible for regulatory compliance, I need to ensure that I have everything in the stat files that helps me to get through the documentation. I've seen for um, a few months ago. I've seen a. a, um, a device manufacturer, a very good device manufacturer, and who has the first time in ever he had hour software introduced into their devices. Okay. And then that means so, from that, is, uh, says some company delivers the kind of software, that's fine, they are certified, however, also the manufacturer needs to ensure that he has sufficient knowledge to make sure that the software is compliant. If he has not, and software engineer or something like that, which is also fine, he needs to at least ensure that the process creating the software is controlled. That's why we have standards on it. So see so control the standard, you control the documentation on it, which comes towards to you, with that you control the content of the device. And that is the same. The person responsible for regulatory compliance needs to be on the OVL, PLM side. and needs to ensure that he has sufficient knowledge about the device. And then can he can do that by inspection of the documentation which comes in, inspection of the OEM, which is more or less very hard because it's um, that is a um, well it's, it's a high effort to inspect and audit the OEM, or he can go and make a product audit in their own warehousing, which costs one to products per batch, but he can state that still everything is fine. So and then. We have one little different clause again in the MDR. And that means, well, it's not a different one. It's normally it should be human sense. So manufacturer shall keep the technical documentation up to date.
0: Yeah.
1: And well, I'm pretty sorry that this kind of sentence got into a regulation because I thought that is human sense. However, we need to deal with that sentence. That means there needs to be a regular basis where in which part time point where the PRC from the OVM and the PRC from the OBL get connected and check against that that file and the technical documentation to make sure that everything is included and every documentation is updated and the set file will be renewed on a frequently yeah, basis. I... Would you do that at least every year okay. or if the product is not critical every two years to so make sure that I have everything. Also, then I get my clinical, uh, uh, clinical evaluation again. I get an updated risk management. And one thing what an OBL simply can check is if a new standard, which is crucial for you, will be introduced and you don't get an updated documentation. Then you have something missing. Okay. That is quite easy because you can check it with the official journal. If it's in the official journal and you, and used standard and you don't have information from your OVM, or from your OEM, that that standard is now included. And you hear you are with the updated technical file, with your updated set file. Then you have a mismatch and you have a mismatch and you get that quite cheap to get this kind of
0: information. Then you don't have the control. Okay, so it's a good uh, test to to see that uh, all your system is is uh, is co- working quite well. So, uh, in if we make a summary now regarding the the PLM, so um, what we said is mainly that to continue or to sell the products um, in Europe, uh, we need mainly to uh, sign this quality agreement, which is uh, something that is really. Uh, I mean, I think it's the after the technical file. I think it's the key document. It's really the document that is. Uh, that is um, putting really the relationship and uh, defining who is responsible of what in front of the, of the, of the auditors and which provides also uh, some, some key information because the auditors will, will check that. So I think this is first this one. Then we have uh, the, 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 also the possibility for the auditors to audit the OEM. So they have to be, this has to be included and agreed. And uh, not like, uh, yes, you can do that, and when they will knock at the door, no, no, you cannot enter. <laughs> it can be <laughs> the big surprise that can happen. So having that is fine. And as we said, the first one is really to build a technical file that uh, answers all the, the requirements of, of the MDR. Did I summarize, uh, summarize it well? Yes. The
1: organizational organization part with the quality assurance agreement to yep. make sure that everything is in order to fulfill my duty as a manufacturer according to Article 10. That is the first thing. And the second thing is my summary of technical documentation that our linking table, our compliance checklist, however you can call it. For me, it is an abstract of the real technical file, the set, which helps me to ensure that I have everything included without getting into every kind of documentation. And these documents are the ones who are, for me personally, the most important. Because with that, I can check the technical one. I can check against, do I have everything? And with the organization, I make sure that it will work out if someone comes, like a notified party, the competent authority, or if there's something happening with the OEM or with um, field safety corrective actions or whatever. There are plenty of things which can happen to that. Combination of a virtual manufacturer to a real manufacturer, there are plenty of things, and these things need to be covered in that. For that is the field safety corrective actions, complaints, risk management updates, periodic safety update reports. Who will file what, and in which circumstances? Then the complete vigilance system as a shared responsibility. The audit possibility and the technical way how the notified body can have quick access to the documentation. Good. One, one thing, one thing I have with the technical documentation inspection by the notified body. Okay. When I, yeah, when I recreate my certificates and need to check my technical documentation by the notified body, I need to send it. So in most cases, I need to send it to the notified body. Mm-hmm. In that circumstances, it is not possible for the auditor to make a quick preparation with a dial in to the OEM. Okay. So what I'm doing there, I will with a notified body that works out with most notified bodies quite well, we make a time frame at which time it is possible to have the auditor available to dial in into the framework. So it it will cost four hours, five hours of review time for the OEM and the auditor. But these four hours will solve out every problem or if a problem remains, then I have a real one,
0: Okay,
1: which I don't help. But that is also, that's the one thing which is some kinds a bit hard, but that's also, and that is the technical part, how can the notified body get into the documentation? Preferable, I'm not using the real man in the middle, the man in the middle and um, protocol, like someone who, who prepares the technical documentation towards the notified body and something like that, because that is mostly Harder if the OEM tells the documentation to a different to another one, and this one tells it to the notified body. Okay. So why don't they communicate directly? Yeah. It's easier. So OEM has control about what he shows, uh, and the notified body can log what he needs. It's easier and contains uh, is better in the containing of the model. Great. But it will still make it happen that we have OBL and PLMs still in the market
0: is MDR. Yeah, it's it's mainly, I think the the good sentence for for the end of this episode, it's uh, to say that this model is not dead. Uh, We heard a lot of time that maybe this model is dead and even me, I I, I said that. Uh, But yeah, after um, many, if I can say discussion and uh, review of the the MDR, I think we can be confident that this model is not dead and we just need to uh, increase collaboration between PLM and, and OEM for that. So Stefan, um, uh, what, so can we talk more about now beyond quality? So what is beyond quality exactly? So what are you exactly doing? And as you mentioned, you are uh, working mainly on uh, combination products and electronics, uh, but uh, what uh, what is exactly your, your work and how can you help people on that?
1: Okay, um, that depends. Um, We are a consulting agency for medical device quality management system, regulatory affairs, and also registrations for specific countries. And what we are doing is we try to deliver yeah, solutions for our customers to make it possible to get a quick way to get a good and straightforward way to deal with regulations, especially with MDR and with um, also with U.S. and Chinese laws and something like that, and Japan. But um, focusing now with the MDR topic, we are helping quietly with the installation of the new quality management systems, with setup of the correct information needed for having the person responsible, responsible for regulatory compliance, the circumstances, what they need to deliver, and how they need to prepare and update the technical file. That is one of the things we normally do in
0: our daily life when we are not talking on podcasts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I, I suppose I suppose MDR is now a, a big part of your of your job. I suppose.
1: Yeah. Um. When I'm on the, um on um uh, presentations or when I have a few speaks, and normally I I give all the um. Um, I tell on this point, that well, when I was eight, there was a the draft of the MDD available. And okay. there's a evidence, documented evidence by picture, that I read the MDD when I was eight. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I have no clue what was in there, but I don't really remember. But there's the evidence because of my dad's history and medical devices. <laughs> and said it was quite nice. And so I say, okay, we have now we have a new book. Not the best book i ever seen, but we have it. And now we need to make sure that everyone can implement it and make sure that we can handle it very smoothly. That is our job as a consultant to make sure that the manufacturer, the OEM also, and the PLM, and also every legal manufacturer or economic operator can ensure MDR compliance. And to be honest, it's possible. Well, we we'll lack on a few things on the organization with the MDR well, but at the time being, it will be available and we want that the manufacturers and the companies who work with us are also poss- have the possibilities to go into market next year may again.
0: So that's our core business and what we are want to do. It's great. No, it's really, really great. And, and for that, so where people can, can catch up with you for uh, if they have some questions.
1: So, um, well, mostly, I, I don't know if you can print on a line with the bioquality.com. I can. <laughs> it's it's b-on-quality.com or quite easy. You can go to the um, LinkedIn EU Medical Device Regulation Group and catch up with me directly or e- as simple as LinkedIn or give me a call.
0: I will, no problem. I will put I will put all your details anywhere on the show notes so people can... can um, can catch up with you quickly. And uh, please stay for next episode also. So next week uh, we'll display also the the second episode uh, regarding now the OEM. So we put our casket uh, about the, the PLM. Now let's change it and put the OEM. We are now on the OEM side and what should the OEM do? So this will be the, the next episode. So thank you for that. And uh, let's uh, catch up next week for, for more information about that. So Stefan, thank, thank you. you. Thank you money.